this morning, church. Worthy to be worshiped. Worthy to be praised. No matter what we're facing in life, he's still worthy. Bend our knees to him because it's by him and for him that we are here this morning. It's amazing grace. Just received a text before coming out. Said, brother, I want to give you some impossible math. It's been three years since the Lord led me here. Whenever he knew what I needed to keep me from taking my life, I turned in the old life and now I'm living a life for Christ. He said, may the Lord use you today like he did that day in a deer stand. Impossible, man. God's still reaching hearts. God's still moving. God's still calling. God's still healing. God's still delivering. God is still God. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through in life, He's still God. He's the constant in a believer's life. And I believe that with all my heart this morning. I believe that God has something special for us. And I just want to take just for a little while this morning to speak to you again on God does impossible math. And I want to take it as a topic, God's purpose will not be defeated, part three. God has a purpose for everything that we face in life. Sometimes you can't see the future because you're always looking back at what you've just faced, what you've been through. But God has a purpose and God has a plan. Let's just go to him in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning. Lord, we have sung the songs of Zion. We feel your presence is already here, Lord, this morning. And Lord, we make you welcome. We're not pushing you off into a corner, but Father, we're here to wash your feet. Lord, whether we're on the mountaintop, whether we're in the valley, Lord, we're here to worship you. No matter what the case, no matter what the situation, no matter what we're facing, God, we're here to worship this morning. And I just pray, Father, you would receive our worship. And Lord, you had opened the windows of heaven this morning and just rained down a blessing upon us. We as your children, Lord, we just need you this morning. And we pray you'll anoint the lips of the speaker, Father. They'll speak only the words of life and you'll anoint the ears of the hearer, Lord. They would only hear what the Spirit wants to be heard this morning. So Lord, we just ask these things this morning for your honor, for your glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look here in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18 and verse 36. Amen. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord with you. We were not able to be here Wednesday night. We were not feeling well at home, but we did stream in. And, you know, Brother Timothy poured his heart out. The healer hasn't lost his touch. And I believe he's still going by, still the healing angel, still visits your address. He knows exactly where you live. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he knows exactly when to heal. I was listening to a sermon yesterday. I believe it was in Testimony 1959. Just a short little cap of a message. Brother Ben, I'm talking about the, the little black girl there who was blind. I believe it was in, in Arkansas. And he's, she told him, she said, you show me where that healer is. I'll find my own daddy. Well, she didn't realize she was right in the place of the healer. He was right there. And she said he grabbed a hold of her, her, uh, his lapel and wouldn't let him go. That's the way we need to be this morning with God. Grab a hold and don't let him go. But we find here in the scripture, it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening service that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel. 
and that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and he licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord is God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, let not none of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and he slew them there. Go to chapter 19 and verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, let the gods, excuse me, real quick, let me get this fixed. Let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, is it enough now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and he slept under the juniper tree or the juniper tree, behold, there an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking of coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drank and he laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and he did eat and he went in the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. You can have your seats this morning. So we find here the story of Elijah and no doubt, we look in 1 Kings 17, 1 Kings 18, and we find some pretty miraculous episodes or situations that took place. And, you know, we find when we started our reading, Elijah was on Mount Carmel. If you could cut me down just a little bit, I'm extremely hot up here. Uh, he was on the Mount Carmel, but yet he finds himself under a juniper tree. He finds himself wandering through a desert. He finds himself in a cave. And like Elijah, many of us, our lives have the same situation. It goes through the same cycles. We have mountaintop experiences. We have juniper tree experiences. We have desert wandering experiences. We find ourselves, thankfully, in a cave where the voice of the Lord can speak to us. Brother Bradham would tell us, and what doest thou here? He said, now pastors here know other ministers. Watch. After your Mount Carmel's, you're going to have a juniper tree. After your Mount Carmel's, you're going to have a juniper tree. Whenever a man has a blessing and the power of God pours down and does something for you, look out, Satan's on the track. Just remember the next day, the Monday, after a good day of Sunday, it's going to be a hard thing because he's going to do everything he can to knock that confidence out of you that the Holy Spirit instilled in you the day before. <clears throat> I'm going to have a little bit voice struggles because I've been sick this week. So we're going to find that happy medium here in just a minute. But see, whoo, that's not it. <laughs> hey, 
Man, we're going to get there. We got new mics. We're good. But we find Satan's going to do everything he can to knock the confidence that God has instilled in you the day before. But I want you to know God still has confidence in you. And even when you don't have confidence in yourself, God has confidence in you. God has confidence in what he's placed in you. He has confidence in what he's deposited in you. He has confidence because this is not the work of a man, but this is the work of God. And there's not enough demons. There are not enough struggles. There are not enough trials that can defeat you, that can defeat the plan of God, that can defeat the purpose of God. God has confidence in his seed. Job faced some hardships, lost his family, lost his wealth, lost all these things. But Brother Brandon will tell us, Job only had one way, and that's through fellowship, through the shedding of the blood. He talked to God. He knew that he was, and God had confidence in Job because he had fellowship with Job. You want God to have confidence in you? Then develop a relationship with God. Have fellowship with God. Give God more than a two-minute prayer. Give God your all. God had confidence in Job because Job had a relationship and a fellowship. And he said, now may the Branham Tabernacle see that today. The only way God can have confidence in you is not because you do something. Or not because faith to do something, but it's when you have fellowship. So let me just say this this morning. Maybe you're not on a mountaintop, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't have confidence in you. Maybe you're at your breaking point, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have confidence in you. See, God has confidence in the faith seed that he deposited in you before the foundation of the world. See, that deposit that he made in you will outlast anything that you face here on earth. That deposit that he made in you is stronger than any demon power that's trying to destroy your life. That deposit that he made in you will conquer any situation that's trying to conquer you this morning. God has confidence not only in you, but in the seed that he deposited in you. And what shall separate us? Shall trial, persecution, tribulation... Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, but when we have fellowship with God, when we have fellowship, then we know that we're predestinated. We know that we've been adopted. And we find here in Ephesians 1 and verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice God has a will, God has a plan, and God has a way. And you're here this morning because of God's will, God's plan, and God's way. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us. How many can say, I've been made accepted? He has made me accepted in the beloved. Yet one day I was going contrary to the move of God or to the plan of God. But yet God saw something inside of me. God looked beyond my failures. God looked beyond my sin. God looked beyond my flaws. And God saw the deposit. And he said, I'm going to make sure on that deposit, I'm about to get benefits. I'm about to reap rewards from that deposit. And so God began to move on that deposit and begin to pull your heart and bring you into a relationship with him. And what does he do? He places you, predestinates you unto the adoption of sons. 
And adoption is positionally being placed. There ain't a devil in hell can take you out of that place. There's not a devil in hell can move you out of that position. There ain't a situation that you face can uproot you from where God placed you. The Bible would say, in whom we have redemption, verse 7, through his blood and forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And whom we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose. God's purpose will never be defeated. Predestinated according to not your purpose, not a denominational purpose, not a man's purpose, a man's idea, but according to the purpose of God, of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. God knows the intricate details of your life and the things that you go through, whether you're here or whether you're here, it all plays into the purpose and plan of God. But we've been, when you have that relationship, you know you've been adopted. You know you've been positionally placed. And I want you to know this morning, sometimes we don't feel like sons of God. Sometimes you don't even feel like you're saved. But I want you to know right now, we are sons of God. Because I'm not looking at my failures. I'm looking at what the Word says. And the Word says, beloved, now we are the sons of God. Right now, we are this minute, this moment, this service. No matter what we're facing. No matter the sickness in our body. No matter what we're going through. We are sons of God. And in a devil in hell can come against that sonship. God called you. God placed you. And God's anointing you for this moment. Right now, we are sons of God. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter the sickness, no matter the difficulty, no matter the situation, we are now and have been adopted, positionally placed as sons and daughters of God. We had the nature of God. We had the character of God. Our conduct matches the Father. We've been accepted in the beloved. We have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of sins. He made known unto us the mystery of his will. We've obtained an inheritance. And we've done all this. Because why? Because we have been predestinated according to his will. All glory to God this morning. So no matter what you're facing, you've been predestinated, Brother Ross, to the will of God. God has confidence in you this morning. Young people, God's got confidence that you're going to rise above the lukewarmness of Laodicea. God's got confidence. See, it's your character, your conduct that gives God confidence in you. Your character and your conduct that gives God's confidence in you. That's the reason, Brother Bram says, that's the reason we haven't got a great church Marching on today is because God can't find people to put his confidence in. The Holy Spirit keeps saying, well, they're tearing up here. They're breaking up. They're doing this. They're off on the lines. Stay with God's word. That's God. That's truth. That's the pattern. That's the blueprint. He says, that's the reason the church today got all kind of isms and everything. Because it don't stay with the word. They won't listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't testify them. 
another thing but God's word. See, but I want you to know there's a bride in the land today. There's a bride in the land today that he has confidence in. There's a bride in the land today that her conduct pleases him. Her character matches his. She knows what he wants done with the word or she keeps still. She has the mind of God. She has, thus saith the Lord. In the rising of the sun, the prophet of God says, she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. She is him. Oh, if you'd ever let that revelation strike in your heart, she is him. I'll tell you, no matter what you're facing in life, you realize you're not your own, but you're him. You're a representation of him. No matter what you're going through, if you've been out there and you've been hungering for 40 days and you've been tempted by the enemy, but I want you to know, let me tell you, he's got a word that says, oh, the word says this and the word says that. Keep pointing them back to the word. That's what we got to do in this end time because the temptations are great. But God is telling you this morning, you are him. The very manifestation of Jesus Christ this morning in a broad body. And God's got confidence in you, though. He got, he's got confidence you're going to hold on. How many of you got, got a need of healing this morning? You've been praying. You've been believing. God's got confidence in you, Brother Aaron. God's got confidence. No matter some of you have been seeking the Holy Ghost, God's got confidence you're not going to give up. You're going to get it because why? Because you didn't put that seed there. God did it. You didn't put that desire for it. God did it. And if God put the desire there, then there ain't enough devils in hell. They can only tempt. They can only try to block the blessing. But I'm going to tell you, sure enough, God will never let that deposit go unnoticed. God is going to cash in on the deposit and it's going to come a hundredfold and a thousandfold and there's going to be sons and daughters of God manifest the Holy Ghost in the evening like tabernacle in the midst of Laodicea. Somebody's going to rise up and overcome this wicked age. I say, mama, that's me. Mama, that's me. That's who I am this morning. I may not feel like a Christian, but mama, I'm not looking at how I feel. I'm looking at the word. I'm looking at myself in the mirror of God's word. And the word says I'm already healed. The word says I'm already delivered. The word says I've already made it. The word says I've already overcome. That's what the word says. Mama, that's me this morning. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I got promises in the word. Oh, hallelujah, this morning. He said, don't let the devil push you here and push you there. You're always mudded up, always off the main road. You're always in and out. He said, you can't even have confidence in yourself if you're like that. Wishy-washy, one minute you're up, next minute you're down. And I understand we have mountaintops and valleys. But we're talking about a little floundering fish just like this. You know, you shake somebody's hand. I'm like, no, buddy. You need a man up. A little flimsy, fishy handshake. We don't want men and women like that. We're Christians. We're rugged. No matter what we face, in the face of adversity, we stand. In the face of sickness, we stand. When we're all alone, we stand. And having done all the stand, we stand. We don't give up. We don't bend. We don't bow. We don't break. We stand. We're Christians. 
In the face of the enemy, we stand. In the face of Laodicea, we stand. In the face of cancer, we stand. Because we're not standing on our own word. We're standing on thus saith the Lord. For Abraham said it was behooving to Elijah. Becoming to Elijah the prophet that he made his stand to fulfill the word of God. Because he know the word of God. He says, but it's becoming to him in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his criticism, in the midst of indifference. It's becoming to Elijah as a prophet to stand the stand of, or take the stand of God and stand there. And it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. The great mighty men foreshadowing this day when Jezebel religions and things is raising up now. Things that we have, have today trying to take over. It's becoming to the servant of God. No matter what anyone else says or what takes place, stand. See, because it's becoming to us that we stay with the word. Don't stay with it until you're criticized and give up. You stay with it past your criticism. Don't stay with it until they make fun of you and call you holy roller or make fun of your jump and your shout. You stay with it. Because one day you're going to jump so high you ain't going to be here again. <laughs> oh, yeah. They thought Michael Jordan could jump. He could jump. He set a record back then. He jumped from the free throw line and dunked the basketball. We're not talking about battle free throw line. We're talking about the line of time. We're going to jump on into eternity. Look, because while something's going to grab hold, when you make that final jump, there's going to be a Holy Spirit catch you and take you up into the higher height. Let me tell you, you stand there and you keep jumping for God. You keep standing for God. You keep dancing for the glory of the Lord. We find in 1 Peter, I believe he puts us here for a purpose. 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. Now I know, we face a trial, we face a battle. We're looking around, God, why me? What in the world, Brother Aaron, did I do to deserve this? When I get right here, it squeals. I got to move now, Brother Tim. I got to move. I'm not a hula dancer, by the way. Just that's why. Yeah, phew, is right. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice. Oh, here we go again. We can't ever be in a valley because we always got to rejoice. No matter what you're facing, rejoice. Rejoice in who your God is. Rejoice and know that he's bigger than your situation. Notice now, but rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. See, there is nothing that happens to a believer or that a believer endures but what God hasn't allowed or God hasn't purposed in your life. So no matter what you're going through, don't think it's strange. Say, God, what's the purpose? Let me yield to the purpose of God. Let me yield myself in this situation to the plan of God, to see God, not with human eyes, but with the eyes of Christ that I can see the purpose behind it. Because I know nothing will defeat the purpose of God. 
Then we find in James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So the fiery trial is a part of the purpose of God. God has allowed it to mold you. Now, I know some of you don't like molding. You don't like to be rubbed the wrong way. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, it got quiet real quick, didn't they? Yeah, the preacher gets up there and preaches all on your hide, and he don't know anything about it, but you want to say somebody told him, well, we didn't realize that the Holy Spirit is still a discerner of the intents of the heart, the thoughts. He knows what you have need of. So he brings a certain little five foot six preacher in, fiery, and he's going to try to preach and teach this morning to you. And he's going to rub you the wrong way a few times. Because God knows you need it. And God's got a purpose behind it. Everything ain't sandcastles and fairy tales. <clears throat> this Christian life is rugged. Now, see, if God, God allows the devil to try you. Because God first, he wants to show the devil that I got a bride on earth that will not fall. She's going to stand no matter what you put her through. She's going to stand on my word, on my promise. Because why? She didn't call herself, but I called her. Now, Satan, have you, have you tried my little bride? Have you seen her down there? She's a pure, virtuous woman. She's sinless. She's virtuous. She's a, she's a daughter of the living God. Go out there and try her. Try her with your pornography. Try her with this and try her with that. She won't bend. She won't bow. She won't break. God's proven to your enemy that he's able to keep somebody in in the midst of the work, wickedness age, God's going to have a young person. God's going to have a mom. God's going to have a daddy. God's going to have grandparents that's going to stay true to the word of God. God is going to have a people that stays faithful to the word. Second is to bring us into a state of perfection. Now, we don't like to be rubbed the wrong way. We don't like trials. We don't like tribulations. We don't like these things, but they have a purpose. See, there's a law of contrast. We're going to go here for a little bit this morning. Let me set my watch. All that was free. Just kidding. I got my timer set just so y'all can relax. Y'all can get back into the service. Y'all are doing good. Brother Bram said, now Israel had its ups and downs it was a very type of the church today. Sometimes they were up on the housetops. Next time they were down in the valley. You know, in every service, even here this morning, there's some of you that's up here. And there's some of you that's down here. There's some of you doing this. And there's some of you that's doing that. Every service, we have it. So I'm thankful we have a church that when I'm not here, you're there to bring me up. And maybe when you're not here, I'm here to bring you up. Amen. Brother Aaron, Brother Tim, Brother Timothy, deacons, different ones, other songs, specials that sung. They're here to elevate us, to bring us up. But see, Israel had its ups and downs, the very type of the church. Sometimes they were on the housetops. Sometimes they were down in the valley. See, that's what it takes to make us appreciate the good things. See, there's what they call the law of contrast. The black man of Africa never knew that he was black, his skin, until he seen a David Livingston. I'm going to push this out. Y'all excuse me. We're working on it. 
When he realized his skin was black because of David Livingston was white, it's a contrast. You know, he says, you would never know how to appreciate day if you didn't have a night. You would never know how to appreciate the sunshine if you didn't have a cloudy day. You don't never know how to appreciate righteousness unless you had some unrighteousness. You never know how to appreciate good health unless you had foul health or bad health. You never know how to appreciate these things unless you had an opposite to, con- to contradict it. He said, that's the reason why we appreciate the Holy Spirit so much tonight is because we live so long in the church that we're told that there was no such a thing as a Holy Ghost. That's the reason we appreciate it tonight because we've had the other side. We are struggling just a little bit. See, you never know how to appreciate mountaintops unless you've been in a valley. You never know how to appreciate the mountaintops unless you've been down in a valley. All the way through, it's the law of contrast. He says, no, you know, we don't enjoy... Listen to what he says. You don't enjoy the ups unless we have the downs. Is that right? Do you realize we wouldn't have any mountains if we didn't have any valleys? Think about this. For every mountain, there's two valleys. For every mountain top, there's two valleys. But I'm going to make the statement. He said the storms of life is what makes us have joy. Before you can have a victory, there has to be a battle. You don't just... God don't push you through a pipe and pull you through the other side and you come out and say, oh, bless God, I overcame. You had nothing to do with it. But see, if you want, how many of you want a victory this morning? Then prepare for the battle. Because it's going to be a battle. You got to stand no matter what you're facing. If you want the victory, you got to go through the battle. See, there is no victories. He says, so now we ought to be thankful for the battles and the tryings. It's God giving us the opportunity to have victories. Oh my, don't that make you feel a little bit better now? God's giving his little bride an opportunity to have victory. God's giving a young person an opportunity to have victory. God's giving a young mother, a young father, an opportunity to have victory. Victory over what? Victory over this flesh. Victory over this world. Victory over Laodicea. Victory over self-control. God has given his little bride an opportunity this morning to rise in the midst of the darkest hour and to have great victory. So battle comes along. Somebody says something bad about you. Sickness comes unto you. He says, maybe, maybe God give you those light afflictions that he might heal you and show you his favor too. Let you see what it means what he means by that he loves you. You know, sometimes we call it tough love. You're like, I don't want that tough love. No, sometimes you need tough love. We have all this coddling we do into our teenage kids today and they can't learn to bump their head or bump bruise this or bruise that. And we make a bunch of panty waist Christians out of them. They don't know how to make it in life. They don't know how to be tough and rugged and, and make it on their own. No. Sometimes you got to let them fall so they can stand. I ain't talking about falling in sin. I'm just talking about always, okay, my little baby, my little baby, my little baby. Your baby's 30 years old. You need to get off of that. Come on, let baby go on. Baby growed up and got three or four babies of his own. But see, everybody... My, my, my. I saw I wasn't going to do any Joe-isms. I apologize. Lord, forgive me. But 
Everybody wants a hilltop experience. Come on, just raise your hand, be honest. It's just us in here this morning. Everybody wants a hilltop experience. They never want to take the valley. Anybody want a valley experience this morning? I got no takers. Well, get ready, because it's about to happen. He said, everybody, the Pentecostal church too, every night, if you're not shouting, dancing, jumping up and down, speaking in tongues, running around over the floor, or something of another, he goes, you didn't have any kind of a meeting. So, oh, Brother Joe, you need to get quiet because that's kind of how we are. No, just bear with me. Notice, he says, you know, it's all right to be on the mountaintop. That's good. But let me tell you, your fruits will freeze up there at night. When the cold spells come, cold spells. When the cold spell comes, you'll lose all your fruit. That's what's happened now. We put too much on mountaintop experiences of dancing, of shaking and jumping around. Instead of the all night prayer meetings down in the valley of decision. Where you have to come down there and meet God and really pour out your life until something takes place. Oh, we let the fruits grow up there, but the freeze kills it. That's right. Every time it comes a little cold spell, you know, you got up there, nothing up there to rest upon. The emotion dies down. The shouts are all gone. The noises cease. He says, where are you at then? He says, the temptations come along and then you can't take it. A couple years ago, we took our family to Colorado on a family vacation and we, we visited Pikes Peak. I don't know if you know, but Pikes Peak is probably one of the tallest mountain peaks in all of Northern America. Stands 14,115 astonishing feet in the air. And we started up, beautiful scenery. Oh, it was just so gorgeous as you switched back. and Oh, look at that. That's so beautiful. We were taking pictures. Look like a, never mind, like a bunch of paparazzis. Just click, 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 click. Go to the other side and you're, oh, oh, I've never seen that before. And it's just so gorgeous all the way up. Just glorious, great views. Man, it's so nice. And then you get to the top, all rock, all rugged. But man, you could see as far as the eye would allow. Beautiful. I mean, you're up on the top, tallest mountain in all of Northern America. I stand 14,121 feet. How you say you get that extra six? Because I put six foot on top of that. I was standing on the rail, gave me extra six inches. I'm five foot six. Bam. I'm 14,121 feet. I can do math pretty quick. Whoa. And I could see as far as the eye could see. But when we stepped out of that van, not only is it cold, brother Aaron, but there's something called altitude sickness that begins to settle down on you. And you begin like this. And oh, you can see, right? But you're seeing two of everything. It's beautiful if you could focus. But see, we were up there and my wife got altitude sickness. She had to sit down because we're not made to live on that kind of height. And your spiritual life is the same way. Oh, it's the going up the mountain is great. It's grand. It's got a lot of achievements. It's got a lot of beautiful scenery. It's got a lot of nice switchbacks. But you're not made to live on the summit. God made you to live down in the valley. When you plant that seed in the valley, in the right amount of moisture, in the right amount of sunlight, and it begins to hit that seed. It begins to come up because there ain't enough devils in hell can keep that seed in the ground. But on the mountaintop, you will 
God made to live up there on the mountaintop. That seed will die. That seed will freeze. It can't bring forth life. But it's in the valley. It's in the valley that your life pushes out the gift of God. It's in the valley that you usher out the gift of God. I'm so glad, though, that here at Evening Light Tabernacle, when I'm in my valley, some of you are on the mountaintop. And we can come into a service and we can create an atmosphere. No matter where we are, we can create an atmosphere. An atmosphere to pull somebody up. If it's only for a moment, catch a glimpse that this ain't it. There's more to this life than my valley. I got a glimpse. I went high enough up that I could see eternity just around the corner. I got a glimpse behind the curtain of time. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, I've been seen in a vision. I've been seen. Oh, that second bride, when she come marching through, she was the same as the first bride. Same in every detail. Let me tell you, because the Alpha has become the Omega. The Omega is matching back to the Alpha. The same bride that was in the beginning is the same bride that's here today. Oh, church, and we're not going down. We're going up in one moment. Oh, hallelujah. But see... Real spirit-filled leaders, real spirit-filled Christians of the Pentecostal move, they recognize that something happened. They cooled off. Because everybody's trying to live on the mountaintop and they're going off without God. He says, what we need is to get back to God, get back to the experience, get back. See, our life, your life, my life, no matter what position you play in the body, Your life has pros and your life has cons. He says, we got to have pros and cons. That's the way it goes. You got to have good days to make you enjoy the, or bad days to make you enjoy the good days. You got to have a little sickness to make you enjoy good health. You got to have the valleys to make you enjoy the mountaintops. And so then some of these days, it'll be all, he says, it'll be all mountaintop. It'll be all good health. It'll be all God, but it'll be all joy. But until then, Pros and cons. And it seems like for most of us, there's more cons than there are pros. There's more struggles than there are joys. There's more hardships than there are mountaintops. Seems like we're always in a trial. How many? And I'm not passing gloom. This ain't no gloomy message this morning. Now, if you're down in that trial and you're gloomy, you need to learn to praise God in it. But notice now, just as soon as you come out of one trial, you're back in another. But the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth out of them all. God's not going to leave you in that valley. God's not going to leave you in that sickness. God's not going to leave you in that trial. God's going to raise you up to that mountain peak and let you look over the corner of time and see that this life is not your final resting place. God has provided something better for you, church. So we find there's times we get down. There's times we get depressed, we get nervous, we fret, we get anxious, we have fears, we have sicknesses. We lose a loved one, we deal with loneliness, we deal with disappointments. This life is full of cons. But it's so refreshing when we can have a pro. It's so refreshing when we can come into the house of God and the presence of God begins to move. 
And you may have walked in with a con. Dragging all around, mully, mully grub. But then the Spirit of God in the song service. On my best days, I'm a child of God. On my worst days, I'm a child of God. No matter where you are, you may have come dragging a pro in, but on your worst day, you're still a child of God. On your worst day, you've still been adopted. On your worst day, you've still, been, you've still been born again of the Spirit of God. On your worst day, oh, if that's your worst day, then what about your best day? What about in the presence of a living God? On your best day, ain't a devil in hell can stand before you on your worst day, much less your best day. On my worst day, Satan, I'm a child of God. You find it though, this moving of the spirit becomes, all of a sudden the shackles of the cons fall off your life. Oh, and you begin to oh, tap your foot. You know, y'all see Brother Joe up there dancing a little bit, moving Brother L. Yeah, Brother L, I got it too now. We Mississippi boys. Right there, buddy. But it's a sad thing. Here, it's a sad thing when people want to try to rob you of your mountaintop. They want to rob you. They they watch in on the videos and they see young people move with the spirit. Or they see a young mother running around with a little baby in arms because they don't know what God has just done for her. Oh, they don't know what God just done for me. They don't know what God just done for you. They don't know that he come by, that the healer had lost his touch. And he come to your address and he touched you and you come into a service. Oh, you may have been packing a bunch of cars, but all of a sudden, the pros of God, the healer came by and he touched me and he touched me and he made me whole. And the day you don't know like I know what God's done for me. Oh, when I was sick, he raised me up. When I was in sin, he came and touched my heart. Oh, you don't know like I know. Don't you try to steal my thunder. Don't you try to steal my death. Don't you try to steal my joy. You don't know. I say you don't know like I know what God done for me. Let me have my mountain. Let me have my moments. Let me have my days. Let me have my joy. You don't know. You don't know where I've been, but he knows. See, we learned, we learned to appreciate those very few mountaintops or those pros. But see, it's in the valley when those roots begin to sprout and the winds of life begin to blow. Those winds have a purpose. Not to uproot the seed. That seed shakes a little bit. Goes a little bit deeper. Shakes a little bit. A little bit deeper. Well, God allows the winds of life to blow across you, your path for a purpose of making you a stronger Christian. So, Brother Joe, I'm in a valley. I'm in a valley. Let me tell you what you do when you're in a valley. Y'all want me to quit right now or y'all want to know? What do I do, Brother Joe, when I'm in a valley? Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings 3.16. Moab 
was coming against the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and they was out of water. They didn't have water for the cattle. They didn't have water for the men. They didn't have water. And they went before the prophet of God, Elisha. And they said, Elisha, we need some water. Elisha said, you want, boy, you want water? This is what I want you to do. It's going to seem absurd. It's going to seem ridiculous. You make this valley full of ditches. Now, what in the world? You could have gave me a plumb line. I could have went to the river, pushed it down in here. No, make the valley full of ditches. Oh, brother, I'm in my valley. Then dig a ditch for healing. Dig a ditch for deliverance. Dig a ditch for the Holy Ghost. Dig a ditch for the prodigal. Dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. You make that valley of yours full of ditches. Because God said, it won't be by wind. It won't be by this. But I'm going to water that land. Notice what he says. Now, shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water that you may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. Next verse. And notice, and this is a light thing. He can provide water where there was no water. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. Next verse. And you shall smite every fence city, every choice city, and they shall fall every good tree and stop all the wells of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. Next verse. And it shall come to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold, there came water by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. So when you're in your valley, dig, 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 dig. Dig, dig. Every promise is mine. I'm digging. I'm digging. I'm digging. I've got on the tape. I'm digging. I'm digging my valley full of ditches. And there's going to be enough water that you can't contain. Going to be enough water. See, Elijah, let me move on. I got a few more minutes here. I didn't say I was closing. No, nope, I do that five times. Y'all know when I do it. Elijah had a mountaintop. Actually, if you go back in 1 Kings 17, we're not going to read them all. I'm just going to paraphrase. Second, or 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. He called for it not to rain, and it didn't rain. I wouldn't mind having that kind of power. But I don't. You don't. We don't. But Elijah did. So he finds... First Kings 17, call for not to rain nor do to fall until it came his word and it dried up. We look at 17 and verse 8 and verse 9. He goes to a widow's woman's house, said, give me a, a cake to eat. And realize he told her, you make me one first. That barrel of meal will never waste, nor will your cruise oil ever run dry. It never wasted until it rained. We find here in 1 Kings 17 and verse 17, he raises a widow's son who had died. He stretches forth himself over the child and cried unto the Lord. And the life comes back to the young man. We find in our opening scripture here, 1 Kings 18. He calls the prophets of Baal. He restored the altar first. The power of God came down and, and licked up everything and dried it all up. Chased 400 prophets, killed every last one of them. He was on a mountain top. And notice now the end, 1 Kings 18. He calls for it to rain. Notice he hears something. I hear the sound. Oh, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. That was something. It was time for the moving of the Spirit. I hear the sound for even like tabernacle. It's the abundance of rain. Oh, it's been a drought for a long time. Maybe you've been in a drought, but 
morning. Oh, that rainy season, oh, that dry season is about to be over. I hear something. And he sent his servant up there and he saw a cloud by the size of a man's hand. Notice what he did. Called for it to rain. And then he got on his garments and he cinched them all up and he outran the chariot. This ain't no young whippersnapper. He was an old man. Gray-headed. I'd put him around 80. I don't know how old he was. Old man. And he's out running a chariot. I would say he was on a mountaintop. Called for it not to rain. It didn't rain. Pray for the widow. Her meal wouldn't dry up. Never dried up. Raised a dead boy back to life. Child of 400 prophets of Baal. Called for it to rain. Outran the chariot man. Everything he said came to pass. Bless God. This is great. Amazing. He didn't know what it meant to have a bad day. That's what we look at. We're outside looking in. That's what our thoughts are. Man, Elijah, man, that guy's amazing. He don't know what it is to have a bad day. I mean, he just did this, this, and this, and this, and this. Man, he's just always living up here. Not the case. It's amazing how soon one comes off the mountaintop. We look here, First Kings 19 and Ahab. No doubt you've imagined Ahab going home. Man, Jesse, you know me tell you what this prophet just did. Jesse, he destroyed all your prophets. Called them down there. The man restored the broken altar. They were calling out for their gods. Look, they spent all day. We were getting tired of it. It was boring. They kept calling. They got up there. They cut their self, blood everywhere. I mean, it was an awful mess, Jesse. But I'm going to tell you, when Elijah got up there, he restored the altar. He dug a dish. They poured water on the thing three times. I'm like, I almost drowned because there was so much water. That's when y'all laugh. But not only that, man, the power of God, Jesse, come down and drunk up all the water, took up all the offering, licked up everything, and then he chased your prophets and killed every last one of them. But that ain't it. He outrun my horses. This man's unbelievable. And you would have thought that that kind of witness would have turned her heart. But notice what she says. Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested himself that he might die. We all have been there. Elijah receives a negative report. This man called for it not to rain. He prayed for a widow's son, brought a dead baby back to life, destroyed 400 prophets, and now he's running from a woman. You would have think, man, I'm going to take care of this little chick. Oh, Jesse, with her old painted up face trying to ruin my parade, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Fire, bam, suck her up. <laughs> like the sons of thunder in the New Testament. We'll call fire down. But he didn't do that. Because why? Because he was coming out of the anointing. 
See, he was on the other side of the Mount Carmel experience. He was coming down and now you'd have thought, man, this man done had this, 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 this. All these supernatural things take place. And there's no way. Why is he running from a little woman? But I want you to know, when you come out from under that anointing, it changes everything. And I'm going to go in and we're going to see. See, it's, you can, when you're up here, you can pack the world away. But when you're coming out of that anointing, any little bitty thing just destroys you. And it destroys your confidence. And you run to the wilderness and you sit under a juniper tree now he's running for his life well the Bible says Elijah had a hard day he'd been on Mount Carmel he'd seen the glory of God come down he prayed fire out of heavens and then he prayed for it to rain upon the earth and all under his strength his nerves were about broken oh how I feel for him see Elijah he wouldn't compromise he told Jezebel to her face what she needed to do. And she despised him and threatened his life. And the threat of his life, what did it bring? He didn't bring an international revival. He'd have thought the whole country, oh, the Lord, he is God. That's what they said one moment. But Jezebel put a death threat on his head the next. See, he was trying with all his heart within him to try to show the people that God was still God. But it backfired and he runs into the wilderness when he heard it. And there he laid under a juniper tree trying to find consolation. See, he was criticized and his life was threatened because he stayed with the word of God. And you're going to be criticized, but you got to stay with the word of God. You're going to be, your values will be threatened, but you got to stay with the word of God. Your beliefs will be threatened, but you got to stay with the word of God. They're going to talk about you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to make fun of our running. They're going to make fun of our tongues. They're going to make fun of our dance, but we got to stay with the word of God. He didn't compromise on the word. He didn't bend a little bit on doctrine. He didn't preach a tickle of the ear message. He stayed with what God said, no matter who his audience was. He didn't preach an intellectual gospel. No, Elijah demonstrated the dynamics of God. He called for rain. He called for it not to rain. He called for fire to come down. Elijah demonstrated signs and wonders. And I'm going to tell you, this little bride is demonstrating the same supernatural God that Elijah demonstrated. He goes, I wonder, Brother Bram says this now. I want y'all to listen in here. I wonder sometimes, I get so discouraged. It's a wonder my wife can put up with me. I go around after the meeting, I feel so moody, I cry a while, I walk around a while, I say, oh my, I'm a total failure. I don't see why the Lord ever had anything to do with me. This is your prophet. See, we see up here, this one healed, this one healed, this address, this here, this issue. Looking back, looking forward, looking here, looking there. Man, he never has a bad day. My wife. And then notice what he says. My wife. I, I walk around, I'm so moody, I cry a while. I'm a total failure. I don't see why God, why the Lord ever has anything to do with me. See, it's coming out from under that anointing. When you're up here, up there, you feel like you could pack the world away. When you're down here, though, it's all right. But it's coming between the two. That's where it gets you. For the Aaron can testify. Some of you singers can testify, especially when the anointing is on. And when you come out of it, it's coming down. It's what gets you. And I want this message to encourage you. See, here a prophet of God felt like a total failure. He didn't know why God would continue to use him. See, we're not alone. We're not immune from these things, these moments, but we've got to learn to trust God because there's a purpose behind it. 
See, Jonah, here Jonah was, went into the belly of a well for three days. And the well spit him out on the land. He walked in there. He converted the entire city. They all repented. And we find Jonah on top of a hill asking God to take his life when he come out of the anointing. William Cowper, here he's the one that, that wrote the song that we sing. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood, they lose all their guilty stains. He said, did you ever hear what happened to him? After the inspiration left from him, he tried to find the river and commit suicide. Coming out of the anointing. Stephen Foster, America's most famous folk song. Here he was. He got the inspiration and that inspiration, when it left him, he would go get on the drunk and finally called a servant and took a razor and he committed suicide. Brother Bam says, people don't know what the people that live in the spiritual realm go through. See, it's coming out of the anointing. See, Elijah was up on the mountaintop. Why? He called for fire out of heaven and he called for rain out of heavens and it had not rained for three years. What anointing called for a hundred of Balaam priests and chopped their heads off. What a powerful anointing. But then when down in the desert that the threat of a woman, he ran out into a desert. And when the anointing had left him, he was 40 days wandering out there in the wilderness and God found him and pulled back in a cave. That's right. No need to try to explain it. You can't. See, when you come out of that anointing. So let me give y'all some words of encouragement or words of advice this morning. Can I? Yeah. It's never a good time to say anything negative to a man who's just poured out his heart, whether you're joking or not. That man's poured out his heart. He's prayed, he's studied, he's yielded, he's given himself. And you sometimes, you know, some people, they just don't know how to keep their mouth closed. And, you know, they come out, well, you know, this was good, but... but but what you just done is you sent that man whew, right off the mountain. He's coming out of that anointing. Give him time. Give him time. Give him a day or two. There's time for corrective or constructive criticism. You don't have to do it immediately after the service. Let him get back down to ground zero. Then you can give him that feedback. My wife learned that. We learned that together. Why did you say that so loud? You've been at my house. <laughs> I know when I first started preaching and she'd tell me stuff right after service, I'm like, oh, man. And she learned, I can't tell you right now. I can't tell you right now. I'll talk to you about it later. I'm like, all right. Because later you can receive it. Right then you're coming out of that anointing. So there's something about coming out of that anointing. We think, man, Elijah, he's done all this, but he's coming out of an anointing. Now a threat of a woman sends him and running for his life. So no matter how many positive comments that preacher, that song special person may have done, one negative little comment sends him to a juniper tree. But let me say this. You don't, you don't have to lie about it. You don't enjoy the service, that's fine. Just don't say nothing. He didn't enjoy that special, that's fine. Just keep your mouth quiet. Use some self-control, some restraint. Good gospel teaching right there. Told you I was a teacher. <laughs> See, the thought Jezebel's response would have been, man, he shut the mouths of Baal. They didn't even respond. And Yahweh comes down, boom, sucks up the altar. But instead of repenting, she was more determined than ever to take his head off. 
And Elijah, when he saw this, he arose for his life and he went to Beersheba and he left his servant. Notice he leaves his servant there and he goes on by himself. Now he's dwelling with his own thoughts. Man, look, all I've done was try to serve God. I did this. God, you told me to do this. You know how sometimes we are? We're going right. We're, we're running it through the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, running things through four o'clock in the morning. We're running things through. You're woken up and you're like, oh my, you got this running through. You hear, Lord, I just did this at your will. And this is coming against me. And that's coming against me. And now he's got all these thoughts and he's just wondering. And he's just wondering. And he's just wondering. And he's just wondering. And sometimes we despise. We despise the juniper tree. Because we think it's a form of weakness. And he's got these thoughts in the heat of the day, the journey. And he finds this little sagebrush, little broom, uh, broom plant. I don't know how tall it is. Tall enough for Elijah to go sit under it. In the middle of nowhere, there's a little tree planted. And he goes and he sits down. He's tired. He's weary. It's been a long day. He's come out of the battle. He's coming out from underneath the anointing. And he finds a place of rest. So I say that this morning. Brother Bram said Elijah and his nerves were on edge. I always felt sorry for him. His nerves were about ready to break anyhow. Great, great pound from Jezebel for finish the stroke. He says, oh, the experience of the juniper tree. Don't despise your juniper tree. God put it there for a purpose. Because you're not meant to live on a mountaintop. You're not meant to stay up here in the supernatural. There's a time coming where there'll be all day, no night. All supernatural, no human element to it. But he says, now there's many of us find ourselves under the juniper tree. He goes, I get myself under there many times. It's a place that I, that I just, you just don't know what to do. You're frustrated. He says, frankly, I'm right under it now. And I'm wondering, oh God, what would you have me to do? See, the juniper tree is a part of the Christian experience. God has a purpose for the juniper tree. You find yourself there this morning, don't question. Why am I here? Don't question. Don't fight it. Don't struggle with it. Rest. You find yourself, you may not be here, but you're down here. And you're at your juniper tree. Rest. Matthew would tell us in 11 verse 28, come to me all ye that are labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Find yourself at this juniper tree because the heat of the battle, you're just coming out from under the anointing. See, rest in God's peace, rest in God's promise, rest in God's provision for you, resting knowing that God has a solution to all your problems. Rest in knowing that God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Rest in knowing that God is a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. Resting knowing that the trial hasn't caught God off by surprise. Resting knowing that this is working to your good. See, God has a purpose for what he allows to come your way. But you gotta rest. You gotta rest. 
He said, there he laid under a juniper tree. He didn't know what to do. His nerves were broke up. He was all shaken. He was crying, no doubt. He was in a terrible condition. And many of us hit those places, especially after a Mount Carmel experience. They asked him, said, Brother Branham, what do you do? What can be done for a time like this? He says, there's only one thing that you can do is commit yourself to God. That's all that we can do. He said, God has to do something for every man that comes under the juniper tree or he'll go to pieces. God has to do it. So don't be looking at yourself. Don't look at your neighbor. You look to God. God, I'm under my juniper tree. I need your provision. God has a purpose for the tree and God's purpose will not be defeated. Brother Bram says, I've had those feelings after I come out of a meeting. I look like I tried, I preached, I begged, I persuaded. I see the angel of God sweep through the meeting and do signs and wonders and sit in the car on the outside. And I hear them cry and say, oh, it was nothing but psychology. There's nothing to it, nothing to it at all. Bunch of nonsense. He goes, oh, I, then I crawled under a juniper tree. And I think, Lord, what did you, why did you let me do it? What? He says, what can it be done? He says, but with all these experiences, but the mercy of Jehovah to his servant. He said, God knows your trials. Just know this. He knows all about it. God knows your trials. He knows all about it. Oh, poor little skinny old man laying there, gray hair hanging all over his shoulders. God's looking down at the scene. My servant, he needs some rest. Tired of the hospital. Tired of the trials of life. Tired of the sickness in the body. Tired of the disappointments that they're facing. Tired of not knowing. He's weary. Look at him, man. He had a great service a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Sundays ago, or maybe a year ago at a camp meeting. My young person, and now, now they're just weary. And not where they need to be. But know you're exactly where God wants you to be. You're at your juniper tree for a purpose. Notice what he says. I love this. He goes, I can imagine there was 10,000 angels watching Elijah sleep. Oh man, all of them looking over. Man, he snores pretty good, don't he? He must be tired. I tell you, that Mount Carmel really got him. I'm looking over like, my. That's God's prophet. Look at him. You know, we looked at it and said, man, I thought he was somebody. I mean, he did this, 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 and now he's under a lazy tree, a little lazy scaggy wag. I got all kind of little pet names at the house. Call them skankadoodle dishes. That little skank laying underneath there. That's kind of the mindset we have. But we don't know where he's been. We don't know what he's been through. We're outside looking in. They're up looking down. They've seen where Elijah's been. They know what he's been through. They know the struggles that he's faced. And here, 10,000 angels watching God's prophet sleep. Brother Bam says, there's one assurance the believer has. Though the world turned him down, God loves him. 
Though the world may turn you down, there's angels over the banner looking down this morning saying, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You may be an outcast of society. You may be disrespected or discarded over here to this way or that way. But God loves you. I'm here to tell you this morning, God's got angels encamped about all those that fear him. They're looking above the banister this morning, looking down into this service. They know that you're propped up against a juniper tree and they know that God has got something special for you because the angels of God are there to pack you some mighty vitamins to give you strength in your weakest moment. Oh, here he said, the world may call you a holy roller, may call you a fanatic, but if you're true to God, there's one thing for sure. God loves you, and his angels are encamped about those that fear him. He goes, I imagine on every limb all around through the place were swarms of angels. And God came down. He said, my poor tired servant. He's so nervous. He's so tore up. He don't know what to do. I want to pick the angel. Hey, you, you, you come here. You just got the softest hands. You come over here and I want you to stroke his brow. And I don't know about you, but I love having my head rubbed. Man, just imagine an angel with the softest hands coming just rubbing what little hair I got. Oh my. I'm out. I mean, here he was just loving it. I could just imagine. And he says, I want the angel, the best cook among all of them. You go find the best vitamins and you cook him the best corn cake you can make. And they come over there and woke him up, touched him. Elijah, arise, eat. And there's a cake on the coals. He wakes up. I'm sure he barely, he was in a trance probably. Wakes up and he eats and he goes back to sleep. Angel still stroking his brow. Oh, I'm about to fall asleep right now thinking about it. <laughs> My honey, wait till we get home. We'll take a nap. <laughs> and he's just stroking his brow. The angel with the softest. See, God cares. He cares for your juniper tree. When you think you're there and you've done all that you can and it looks like God's forsaking you, the people's forsaking you, Jezebel's on your trail. God's got the angels there. Feeding you supernatural vitamins. Because he knows he's not done yet. God's not done yet. There's more to the story. Brother Bam said, I'm so glad that there is a juniper tree. When we get all wore and tore up, we can go underneath that juniper tree and find spiritual vitamins to travel any kind of trip. Sometimes you feel like, he goes, oh, I did one time. I put a pistol against my head to commit suicide. I couldn't do it. I took my glove off, lay it on a high voltage line where I was working, but I couldn't do it. Something still held. The same God that was with Elijah, that same God today, he seen me under a juniper tree. My wife, my baby laying under the grave there, and my daddy and my brother and all, and I just go about going myself, and I laid under a juniper tree. It's hard. I got to a place that I was so beside myself, I tried to make a gun shoot my brains out and it wouldn't do it see there's work yet to be done something has to be done God wasn't finished he always takes care of you and I want you to know this morning if you find yourself under a juniper tree that's only a resting place it's not the end of the journey there's more to come it ain't over until God says it's over he ain't finished until God says
you don't know like I know what God's done for me. He brought you off the mountain. He brought you into the valley. He brought you to a juniper tree. He's feeding you supernatural food in due season. Let me tell you, God's got more for you, church. It's not the end of the journey. He knows where you are at tonight. You may be under a juniper tree, everything gone, but remember, he knows where you're at. Oh, thank you, Lord. He sent an angel, and the angel touched him, and he went to sleep, and he woke up, and there was corn cakes, some kind of cakes baked, laying by the side. Elijah, rise and eat, and there's the grace of God to his servant, and he's resting. And see, God, he sent us an angel on this day. One that provides what? Substance for the journey. Elijah was feeding on corn cakes baked by the angels. We're feeding on the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. Spiritual food in due season. And this is due season. This is my season. This is my journey. I find myself under the juniper tree. Lord, I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in your provision. I'm going to rest in your healing power. I'm going to rest in thus saith the Lord. See, Elijah found a refuge in the middle of an oasis. And the Bible would tell us, the Bible would tell us, notice here, give me just a minute. Well, and I think it's in Psalms here. I've got to find my place. Excuse me. Psalm 61 and verse 1. The chief musician of Niganah, the Psalm of David. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart, when my life is overwhelmed, pressure Stress, anxieties, fears, depression. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me, Lord. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to that thing that is bigger than I am, that is bigger than my situation, that is bigger than my cause, that is bigger than my sickness, that is bigger than my struggle. Lead me to the rock, the revelation that is higher than I am. The revelation that I am a son of God. No matter what I face, no matter what I go through, no matter what I endure, I am a son of God. I have been called for this purpose. Notice now he says, for thou has been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Psalms 9 and verse 9. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in a time of trouble. Psalm 62 and verse 8. Trust him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Psalms 91 and verse 2. I will say unto the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Psalms 142 and verse 5. I cried unto the Lord and I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Here Elijah found the refuge. When he was at his breaking point, weakest moment, crying out to God to take his life, he found a refuge. A place that just you would have never thought, a juniper tree, a sagebrush, a broom plant. 
He was tired and weary, but God cared for his prophet. He goes, oh, I think the lovely kindness of God showed to Elijah when he took him out from underneath that tree. And he says, I believe that juniper tree was put in the ground there for that very purpose. God planted that tree many years before because he knew he would have a wandering prophet come and need to find rest. And God has provided you a tree. 2,000 years ago, he cut down a cross and he planted it in the ground and he hung his son on it so that that weary, wayward sinner could find rest for his weary soul. Not only find rest, but to receive supernatural vitamins to continue the journey. Because the journey's not over. The juniper tree is only a stopping place. It's not a permanent place, but it has a purpose. He goes, oh, what we need in this journey that we're in now is to find a place of rest and to feast on the word of God so that it'll give us strength. When you're underneath your juniper tree, I want the musicians to come. Sister Rebecca. When you're underneath your juniper tree, feeling all alone down in the dumps, just start playing softly. I'll let you know when I want you to start. Just be assured that God has allowed you to come to this place for a purpose. It may appear that you're at your breaking point. May appear that you can't keep going. But just as God had a purpose for the mountaintops, God has a purpose for the juniper tree experience. In the vast desert all alone, God led his servant to a shade tree. And I believe God has led all of us here this morning to an oasis, a place of rest. We can come, busyness and struggles of life, leave it on the outside. We come in here as a refuge, a place of rest. Same God that stroked Elijah's head and his brow is the same God that's here to stroke yours this morning. You may be weary. You may feel like giving up. You feel like giving in. You feel like throwing in the towel and calling it quits. He's got the angels here this morning encamped around this service with the softest hands to take care of your need. He knows your need. All he has to do is dispatch them. Brother Johnny, he knows that arthritis. Dispatch it take care of that see he hasn't left you to wander in your wilderness alone he hasn't forsaken you he hasn't left you to face your trial or your sickness alone but he's provided a juniper tree place of rest and when you a place where you can go and sit down and you can refresh yourself from the heat of the day and the struggles of life and you can receive spiritual food See, God's provided a tree for us in this journey. A juniper tree was a purpose. God's going to make himself more real to you at that place. See, when Elijah was calling for it not to rain, there's no mention of God. When he called for fire to come down, God wasn't just there like that. It wasn't personal so much. When he did all these other things, But when he was there underneath that juniper tree, God dispatched angels and they came to his side and they began to caress his servant, show him eternal attention, special attention, supernatural food, 
a special meeting. Maybe it's this meeting this morning may just be for one person because you are where Elijah's at. And you know, God, I just need something. Brother Abraham said, God has to do something for every man that finds himself underneath that juniper tree. You can't do it for yourself. God has to do it. See, Elijah, he found himself there and he wanted to die. God, take me. I'm no better than my fathers. And many of us, we've been there. Heat of the day, the battle. Lord, just, I'm tired. Throw my hands up. We can't figure out what's wrong. You know, doctor said this, but I want you to know the doctor's report is not the decree. Your sickness is not the finality of your life. It doesn't have to dictate what God has for you. The juniper tree is only a stopping place, not a final resting place. It's just a journey. And we keep on keeping on. We don't give up. We don't give in. Elijah kept, he wanted to die. He kept looking back, man. He'd done this great thing. And now here comes the threat of Jezebel. And he's got depression. And he's got anxiety. And he's got fears. But oh, let me tell you, all he can think about is what is about to happen to me. I've done all this at the hand of the Lord. I'm the only one left. You know what Elijah failed to see? Elijah failed to see his greatest experience was just a couple chapters away. Elijah failed to see. All he could see was was a threat. All he could see is Jezebel coming after him. All he could see is there's going to be this whole thing and they're going to take him. But Elijah failed to see that his greatest experience was just a few chapters away. And we find in 2 Kings verse 2. And it came to pass as they stood still and they went on and they talked. And behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And it parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And you may feel like giving up. You may feel like giving in. All you can see is sickness. All you can see is your trial. But I'm going to tell you, little bride, your greatest experience is just ahead. There's a rapture for this bride. There's a body check for this church. All kids looking back and look forward. You keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Your greatest experience is just ahead. some hard days we've had some hard days more than enough long long are these cold nights feels like there's no light and fear says give up but I'm here to tell Shake God, just.
God has a purpose. God has a plan. And there's nothing, just play something, there's nothing will defeat the purpose of God. When you don't have the answers, God still does impossible math. If Satan wants to tell you that it's over, he don't have the final say. Satan says you're not going to make it. God says you've already made it. Satan says you'll never be healed. God says, by my stripes, you're already healed. Satan says you can't have peace. God says, my peace, I'll give unto you. Not like the world giveth. Satan says, look at your mistakes, look at your failures. God says, he that began a good work will perform it to the very end. He's not finished. He's not finished. Satan says you're worthless. God says, I got a purpose. I got a purpose. And he looks down at Satan and says, and nothing will defeat my purpose. They are the heart purpose of God. It's not over, church. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. Keep on keeping on. You may feel like giving up. You may not have but one more breath. But rise up in faith and take one more step. Oh, a real winner never quits. Oh, there's times you want to ring the bell. You want to quit. You want to give up. You want to say, I'm done. I can't handle it no more. But you never ring the bell. The ringing of the bell is for losers. And we're not a loser. One day we're going to look down and Satan's going to ring that bell. Because he's been defeated. Oh, because why? Been whooped by a little bride. That's determined to keep on keeping on. Let's just worship the Lord. Brother Mike, lead us in some songs of worship.